Hey everybody, hey Poison Pals, welcome back to another episode of That Shit is Poison. Welcome back. This is your true crime and toxicology podcast fix of the week. (laughs) And your co-host Megan Gesner. Oh, I didn't even introduce myself, that is why Megan is looking at me so weird. (laughs) And your other co-host, Harini Watt. Megan is the queen of going second now, so I need to keep up. Yeah, I think the trick is to just force yourself past the awkwardness at this point like the the wording Mm -hmm. will Mm -hmm. never sound smooth (laughs) but if you just fake it till you make it it'll sound real smooth so and that is exactly how meg and i got here to this day (laughs) we are the queens of faking it till you make it (laughs) i know right (laughs) oh my god dude so I sent Megan and Drew a meme. It's not really a meme, I guess, but on Instagram. And it was basically a picture showing those slip and slides we all had as kids in the hot, hot summers. There's not much to do. And you had those slides, put some water Mm. on it, and we just run through the sprinklers, slip on the slides. And then at the bottom, it had a picture of just these little kiddos' feet that are just covered in grass blades because... You know, every time you slip on that grass, you get all these grass blades up and everything. And it just, you know, remind me of simpler and happier memories of childhood. And it also made me realize I am such a water baby. I used to super, super enjoy being in the water every single day. I would go to Del Mar Beach in the summertime. And I just feel like I've gone so far away from that. So this summer, I'm going to make it my prerogative to get back to that. You know what? I'm going to be taking calls from the ocean. Like, it's going to be like that. If you want to reach me, you got to come find me in the water. (laughs) She'll be underneath the waves taking your call. (laughs) With the new technology of Elon Musk, it is possible. Yeah, that's so funny. I will be in my underwater Tesla that I do not have taking underwater calls in my (laughs) underwater car. (laughs) No, no, that's that's awesome. Yeah, like, hmm, I don't think I identify with water as much as you are saying. Um, But like, because it's so accessible to me, I do find like I do Mm -hmm. find myself at the beach very often. And I love swimming in the ocean. Mm -hmm. That being said, like going back to the meme about the slip and slide and like getting damp grass all over your feet and shins as a result, that is a lot more like I connect to that feeling and imagery and nostalgia a lot more because I grew up in Sacramento which is like very inland so slip and slides was our predominant water water play (laughs) that was your main water attraction yeah or like going to the freaking sun splash soap city (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, but go okay and then one more thought on like the freaking because I'm thinking of the picture of like the feet just smothered in wet (laughs) blades of grass we'll put the uh we'll put the picture on the Instagram later perfect you know it's another like nostalgic nice feeling is when when it's sunny out and you've been like playing on that slip and slide and you've been playing in that inflatable pool and when you like dump the pool out and it just soaks the grass and like turns into like a soupy muddy grassy (laughs) thing and you just kind of like dip your feet in that muddy (laughs) (laughs) i'm laughing because i've I've never experienced that in my life what you have just described dude i think people out there know what i'm talking about yeah you're right I should so anyways that. you know what you're right megan i have very vivid and fond memories as a child where my dad would take us on vacations in the summertime mm. to knott's berry farm and right next door mm. to the knott's berry farm was soak city i believe it is or was called and 
I remember having the time of my life mm. in the lazy river one. And secondly, <laughs> those artificial waves, I would spend all day trying to beat the waves and get to the very front and stay there. <laughs> but now thinking back on it, it just ruins it because I'm just thinking about how nasty that all was that whole situation of all those people, all that same water, all those bodies, Ugh. No more. But that's an aside to my my real story. Okay. So when I think back to one of my happiest childhood memories that still makes me smile and laugh to this day, before okay. I tell the story, I've queued up this picture that I'm going to send to Megan right now for her to describe so that we all know what we're dealing with here. So I was in preschool and Megan, you actually know where my preschool is at because it is at canyon side we we actually had fried chicken sandwiches there uh so that was my preschool yes and in the summertime i think it was like the last day of school or like leading up to the last day of school the teachers at my preschool wanted sure. to have a final day of fun in the sun type of thing right where they're gonna put on their own little water park and by water park i literally mean just turn mm. on the sprinklers and have us run through it <laughs> but yeah. obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. as three or four year olds we mm -hmm. were living for that kind of activity and everyone was super super excited the one caveat is you had to get, of course, parent permission. And secondly, you needed to have a bathing suit. And I had neither. <laughs> My mom hears this whole shindig and is like, oh, she's good. And I was like, um, no, mother, I'm quite not good. I love water and I would very, very much like to participate. And the only bathing suit I own at that point was this horrid <laughs> contraption that I can't even describe, which is why I sent it to Megan, because she is way better at describing these things. So Megan, describe to our viewers what you are seeing hmm. with your eyeballs right now. So what I'm looking at is like a swimming tube, like something that you would, it's like a floating tube you'd literally you'd put yes. your body through and you just kind of like lie on the tube and it lets you float. But is that it? Is that, or is it attached to the suit? That's all it okay. is. Okay. Yeah. That's all. That's. <laughs> there is essentially a floaty yeah. inner tube that is sewn into the bathing suit. Okay. So it is all one piece. Okay. So you cannot detach yourself from the tube. It is meant as a teaching device for little kiddos who are just first learning how to swim so that they can just float nicely above the water. That was the bathing suit my parents bought when I was like pretty much born yeah. and they didn't bother to buy me another bathing suit until I was like five or six. <laughs> and all these other kids in my class had normal parents that mm. gave them normal bathing suits. So I was super bummed. So eventually yeah. this, this final day, glorious water day comes around. And then all the teachers like, all right, kids, uh -huh. it's time to put on your bathing suits, everyone go change it to your bathing suits it's time to put the sprinklers on and then my sorry ass is yeah. just watching everyone change into yeah. their fun gear and i'm just sitting by my lonesome at the window watching everyone oh. go outside and have fun and then i'm just literally just peering outside the window <laughs> questioning my life decisions <laughs> and then i think to myself i was like this is bullshit so then I get up, I tell the teacher, I was like, oh, I just have to go to the bathroom. I go to the bathroom, I strip down to my underwear, and then I peer wow. outside the bathroom to see where the teachers are. When I know they're looking the other way, I make a run oh for God. it. Oh my God. And I get in a good 10 swipes or so before I get pulled out by the teacher and they call my mom to come get me. <laughs> That's amazing and hilarious. Dude, like 
power to you. That was the most liberating experience I've ever felt in my life. I felt alive. I didn't give it two shits yeah. that anyone saw me naked or that I was in my underwear. I did not care. I was here for the water and for the good times. Dude, I fucking love that. Like, little Harini didn't give no shits. <laughs> yeah, like, I think what makes this story comical, let's go back to that swimsuit. Because, like, originally when you sent the image of it, I was confused but you, because you can't tell that the ring is built into the suit. So I'm going to try to describe it one more time. So Poison Pals, you know when you go to like a hotel pool and there's always like that orange yes. lifeguard <laughs> ring that just kind of sits by the side of the pool and no one really uses it because mm-hmm. hopefully no yeah. one's actually drowning in the pool. But imagine that orange lifeguard ring. That is part of the suit. Mm-hmm. It is like built into the fabric of the suit. So if Harini were walking around in it, she'd just have like a permanent ring around her body. <laughs> so part of me is like, I think you could probably, you involuntarily not participating probably worked out for the better because I'd rather run naked through sprinklers than run with that fucking suit on. <laughs> it is true. That is goddamn true. And that is the tea. Yeah, that's the tea. Okay. I don't know if you, if that provided you any transition whatsoever. <laughs> not at all. That's okay. Let's get okay. into it. <laughs> All right, let's just do it. All right, Megan, you know what to do. It is time for you to pick your poison, girl. Go for it. Mm -hmm. All right. So today... Oh, but before that... Yes, yes. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Before that, our poison pals, it's time for you to pick your poison. So you know what to do. Grab your potion, poison, drug, chocolate, as we said last time, of choice, whatever it might be. I'm going to add on to that list. Your cheese. What is your favorite cheese of choice? Bring that into the fold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get that cheese and crackers going and pop that wine spritzer because you know it's about to be summer. So Mm. we ain't doing that normal wine shit anymore. It is all about that wine spritz cooler, maybe even a wine bag. Hey, we're not we're not judging. That shit's expensive. Mm -mm. (laughs) Yeah, slap the bag. slap the bag have some fun because megan's about to tell us another amazing poison story all right megan take it away all right so today i will be talking about the poisoning of Mm -hmm. i'm honestly stalling because i i feel like harini is gonna be like oh i was gonna do do this but who knows who knows i don't know why i have a story in my mind that i think you're about to say Uh, okay so my story is gonna be about the poisoning of Viktor Andreovich Yashenko, who is the former president of Ukraine. No. All right, cool. Because I always feel a little guilty when, like, I bring up a story that you potentially had on your docket. So nice. I don't All right. think so. Although that name does sound very, very familiar. So I'm excited. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So the reason, well, yeah, part of the reason why I chose this story is actually when we first started talking about you know the Navalny situation Mm -hmm. and I would share that with people obviously outside of the podcast many folks were like oh is this the you know Ukrainian politician who was poisoned Mm -hmm. and I would be like no this is someone from Russia they would kind of like confuse the two Mm -hmm. but I always knew in the back of my head I was like I do know that there was you know, this poisoning that happened, like an attack on a Ukrainian politician. And so basically now I have finally looked into it and have gathered the story to share with you all today. All right. Yeah. You know, it's unfortunate. Like once again, it's another story that takes place in Eastern Europe in a vicinity very close to Russia. And I think that (laughs) unfortunate in a sense of 
there is a theme, you know, with yeah. a lot of our stories of Russian politics and poisoning. Hey, that's okay, because you know what? <laughs> they decide to poison and, you know, the United States decides to just like shoot and bomb people. So, you know, to each their own. Oh, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, you um, know, yes. none of it is great, but everyone has their, you know, pick of yeah. poison, literally. So it sounds like, Harini, you don't know anything about this, correct? Nothing, no hints? Uh... I think I know the mm-hmm. poison. You don't have mm. to say yes or no to this, but I do think it's a mm-hmm. nerve agent, which is probably why they confused it with Navalny, but that's I think that's all I know about it. Right. This time around, it is not a nerve agent, oh. but I understand why it might be mistaken as such or interpreted as such. So we will definitely cool, get cool. into that in the toxicology. Sounds good. Well, what I plan on doing with the story is pretty much starting with Viktor Yashchenko's early life and career mm-hmm. into his presidential run, which lines up to when he was poisoned. And then I'm just going to kind of stop there. Okay. There is obviously so much more to who Viktor Yashchenko is after his poisoning, but because this is a podcast focusing on toxicology and mm-hmm. true crime, I'm just going to kind of end the story Sure. Promptly after okay. he's poisoned, essentially. For sure, for sure. So, yeah. So if you're upset that I didn't go into, like, the further history of Ukraine after his poisoning, mm. um, I'm sorry I couldn't do that for you. Anyways. We'll redirect you to a politics podcast after that. Correct. Because, man, the politics after his poisoning is just, like, honestly, way past my... Depth of understanding. Depth. That is the word. As, and like, my intelligence. Understand. Yeah, Exactly. So anyway, let's start with early childhood of Viktor Yashchenko. And last little forewarning, mm-hmm. there are going to be a lot of names that I drop, and I will try to be very clear to make sure that you understand who each person is and sure. um, keep those names distinct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Viktor Andreevich Yashchenko, as I had mentioned, he was slash still is a Ukrainian politician. He served as the eighth prime minister of Ukraine from December 1999 to April 2001 and sequentially became president of UK- Ukraine, serving for one term from 2005 to 2010. Hmm. was born February 23, 1954 in Korzivka in the Sumy Oblast region of the Ukraine Ukrainian SSR. So this is during a time where it's still the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. But what's unique about the Sumy Oblast region of Ukraine is that they were predominantly Ukrainian speaking, whereas other parts of Ukraine at the time, because they're part of the, the Soviet Union, was kind of predominantly Russian speaking. So because he grew up in an area that was predominantly Ukrainian speaking, that actually kind of helped him within his political career, mm-hmm. especially after Ukraine gained independence in the 90s. So he graduated from Turnipole Finance Economics Institute in 1975 and began work as an accountant assistant on a kostov, which um, translates to collective farm. Mm -hmm. So he, a lot of his early work had to do with accounting and finances, but he was specifically within a sector that dealt with collective farming. And collective farming is something that is very specific to like communist ideals. Mm -hmm where instead of people owning their own individual farm and benefiting from their own individual crop and harvest, it was a collective effort. Interesting. And I am not a historian or economist, and so I actually have 
no opinion on that, yeah. but I am sure that there are some opinions on like that system, mm-hmm. like collective farming being detrimental, but I am just very neutral because I don't know enough about it. Yeah. So sure. after, you know, so he's an accountant for a bit. He then, uh, from 1975 to 1976, he does serve in the Soviet army as part of his draft fulfillment. Um, and then after that, he starts working in a branch of the USSR State Bank before getting put in charge of what's called farm credit for an agency in Kiev, Kiev being the capital of Ukraine. Once he was put in charge of that farm credit, this leads him to being put in charge of all planning for the Kiev branch of the USSR Agro Agroprom Bank. So okay. basically... He's just kind of jumping from leadership position to leadership right. position within the financial institutions mm-hmm. of Ukrainian USSR. Got it. From there, we're going to jump ahead approximately, like, you know, 15 to 20 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> we are jumping real high. Yeah. Because that's kind of where he is. And he, you know, gains power, I think, justifiably because he's so influential in terms of like economics Mm -hmm. and like, you know, setting Ukraine up to be a successful independent country. So we're going to jump ahead to January of 1993. Yashchenko is appointed as the head of the newly independent National Bank of Ukraine. And he holds this position until December 1999. And as I had mentioned, for context, Ukraine declared independence from the Soviet Union in 1991. So he's kind of like taking the lead on this very fresh and new institution since they just claimed independence. During this time, from 1993 to December of 1999, he plays a very significant role in the creation of Ukraine's national currency called the Hrvnia, H-R-Y-V-N-I-A, that is Ukraine monetary currency, Hrvnia. Okay. And he also plays a role in establishing a modern regulator- regulatory system for commercial banking. He creates this currency reform in 1996. I know it's a lot of like financial jargon, but it's slightly important. No, no, totally. <laughs> no, I'm just my only thought. Yeah. I was just thinking like this is so not in either of our real houses, but for him no. to basically change their currency in the sense of like making a new currency you said and also like have a different Mm -hmm. system for it that makes Mm -hmm. it survive Mm -hmm. and last is that's a pretty big deal absolutely like you have to be really freaking smart and really understand the politics the money like there's a lot of different areas of government and just like transactional of the people between within each other that you have to understand for this to go well yeah clearly this guy is very accomplished very accomplished and yes i agree with harini that as someone who knows nothing about economics and financial institutions and es- establishing mm-hmm. a new financial institution, mm-hmm. right? To me, when I read this, I'm like, damn, like this is very impressive. Yeah. And I, as I had mentioned earlier, I know later on in his political career, he's not as favored, but I would like to like, I'd be like, okay, like this is pretty substantial yeah. stuff for Ukraine, who is now independent from the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. So as I was saying, he's one plays a role in creating the Hrvnia. Yeah. So he establishes Ukraine's currency. Typically what happens after a new currency is created in a country, there is hyperinflation that might happen. And Mm -hmm. that did happen to Ukraine. They actually, it was an extremely debilitating hyperinflation. 
And he was actually successful in bringing that inflation down from more than 10,000% to less than 10%. What? And this is what caused the the Ukrainian currency to survive. Damn. So it was like, not only did he introduce it, but he actually helped it to survive mm-hmm. after knowing like, okay, we're going to experience hyperinflation. That's wild. And so he actually managed, yeah, he managed to defend the value of the currency. Also, he managed to defend the value of the currency following the 1998 Russian financial crisis. Mm-hmm. And a small tidbit on that, um, the Russian financial crisis is something that happened when Russia actually abandoned its defense of a strong ruble exchange rate mm-hmm. against the dollar. So meaning yeah. Russia devalued the ruble right. because they weren't they weren't advocating for a strong exchange rate for the ruble against the dollar. Mm-hmm. And they ended up defaulting on the national debt, meaning they oh. did not pay their national debt on time. Mm-hmm. So even though this is happening in Russia, this highly impacts all the other countries you know, nearby, um, because right. they're all tied into the same economic systems. Totally. And so even with that Russian financial crisis in 98, Yashenko was able to like make sure that the Ukrainian currency did not suffer. Wow, that's, that yeah. is impressive. This honestly also, you talking about entire <laughs> countries being in debt reminds me of that meme that says like, we're all in student debt or like we have debt for many other reasons and the government comes after you and you're like honey worry about your goddamn self (laughs) (laughs) calling the what is it calling the kettle black or the pot calling the kettle black that's correct yeah (laughs) my my dad loves using that phrase at me (laughs) i remember the first time my my mom or dad used that phrase and i was like i don't know what the hell that means (laughs) I know. I was just too. a I was child. Like, I, I was like, we neither use pot nor kettle. I know. And I'm like, <laughs> pots are silver. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know. I was like, this is not the 18th century. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways. So yeah. So basically, Yushchenko is very, very successful as the lead banker for Ukraine. He was a key figure in Ukraine's dealing with the World Bank and International Monetary Fund. He was known for his pro-market and monetarist views, which is totally like an antithesis to a history of USSR socialist communist ideals. Mm. So that did... Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I just, that was a question that popped into my mind that you reminded me of just now. But after not being Mm -hmm. a part of Soviet Russia, was Ukraine still socialist or what was their political Mm. ideology? Okay, so the answer to that is in 96, there Mm -hmm. was a new constitution written for Ukraine where new constitution was adopted under the second president, Leonid Kuchma, Mm -hmm. who will be featured in the story later. But just Mm -hmm. know that like the new constitution was written Kuchma is president at the time, and this constitution turned Ukraine into a semi-presidential republic and established a stable political system. What semi-presidential republic means is Mm -hmm. that they would have a presidency plus a prime ministership. Mm -hmm. Now, to fully, fully answer your question, there were still some communist undertones to their new constitution. I think what was only different is that the branches of the government included a presidency and a prime minister. The prime minister acts to carry out any of the president's orders. So that's the relationship there. They have totally separate cabinets, but the prime minister is still supposed to carry out the president's orders. So you could say that the Mm -hmm. president is still like the top 
of the hierarchy yeah. in a sense. Yeah, yeah. But from what I understand and what I read at the time, there was still a lingering of communist ideals. And um, what will be featured in the story is a lot of people in power preferred that because it gave them power, like it yeah. benefited them. And so Yashenko was very much an advocate for democracy. And uh, during his young political stages, he wanted to kind of have Ukraine move away from this socialist communist economy. Got it. Okay. Okay. So he had a very successful, you know, late 90s run. And in 1999, Kuchma, that the president I had mentioned, actually nominated Yushchenko to be his prime minister. Mm -hmm. During that election, parliament approved Yushchenko's nomination, like a staggering 296 to 12 votes. Like people really supported this idea of Yushchenko becoming prime minister. During his prime ministership from 1999 to 2001, Yushchenko was credited with helping Ukraine emerge from a protracted financial and economic crisis. He introduced fiscal restraints and ended the costly practice of issuing subsidies to unprofitable companies. In layman's terms, he just basically helped Ukraine get out of debt, get out of struggling as an economy. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think their economy started something like it, it was getting annual returns of 7%. So it was like actively growing when he oh, was good. in his prime minister seat. Yeah. So that's basically what that means. So mm -hmm. he was gaining popularity because Ukraine was experiencing growth as a country, which was great. Mm -hmm. But in 2001, President Kuchma dismisses Yushchenko as prime minister, partly because he feared his growing popularity, but also because Kuchma himself was like just inundated in controversy and corruption oh. and was accused of just so many terrible things that are akin to what we see currently with, like, Russian politics. That makes no sense. If Kuchma is the one that's <laughs> inundated with controversy, why does he dismiss mm. Yashenko? Here's a reason why. It's okay. going to be long-winded. Okay. But because, okay, so Kuchma himself was relatively corrupt. I think he brought Yashenko on because... Even he recognized that it would benefit his presidency yeah. to have Yushchenko there to like bolster mm -hmm. the economy or help build out those structures. But Kuchma himself, he was embroiled in a couple scandals. One of them was called the cassette scandal, which is kind of considered a Ukraine's equivalent of like Watergate. No shit. But basically, Kuchma, Kuchma was secretly recorded from 1998 to 2000 by his own bodyguard oh God, for two whole years for two whole years <sighs> and in these recordings there's like detailings of illegal actions illegal deals <sighs> deals with like i saw the name like he made deals with saddam hussein at the time mm -hmm. oh shit probably stuff to do with arms and yeah, just like yeah, yeah. offshore dealings <laughs> But the most significant one that really made Kuchma fall out of any sort of favor was that these recordings implicated him in the murder of Ukrainian journalist named Georgi Gangadze. Georgi Gangadze, I would say, was like an earlier version of Navalny, where mm -hmm. he was his journalism was meant to expose corruption. And so mm. Gangadze was doing that stuff, but then he ended up going missing in September of, of 2000. Oh, and his body was found in no November of 2000. He was found decapitated and Whoa. his body was mutilated. Oh my God. And those recordings had some sort of 
Kuchma saying something like, we need to deal with Gangadzi, like that sort oh, of language, shit. like implicating him. And so to go to, back to your question, yeah. like because he because of these recordings and, you know, him being tied to this murder of this journalist, he fell out of favor with the public. And as a result, he actually turned to Russia for allyship okay. and support mm-hmm. and that's where like that corruption ties in and anti-russian versus russian sentiments yeah. start to play a picture yeah so are you saying like my the implication of that to, in my eyes is that mm-hmm. possibly one of the reasons why he was dismissed was probably because it was an order from russia potentially correct okay. or it is an order it's an order from kuchma who recognizes okay because i have allyship with russia mm-hmm. i'm gonna dismiss yashenko because one he's gaining popularity but his his popularity implies a democratic you know government and I'm in bed with Russia now, and so like can't have that. So it's like both. It's yeah. I'm assuming yes, probably yeah. Russia had some influence on that dismissal decision. But it would also like it would benefit Kuchma to not have Yashenko in office anymore. For sure, for sure. Yeah. So Poison Pals, hang in there because <laughs> I know this has been a long walk to water, but this stuff is important to like build up the why he gets poisoned. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So 2001, he's taken from his position of prime ministership kuchma replaces yashenko with and this is where like the names get tricky because his replacement prime minister also has the initials vy <laughs> his replacement <laughs> prime minister name is victor yanukovych okay so our our protagonist today is victor yashenko mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. uh his replacement was victor yanukovych wow okay. And so you got to remember that Viktor Yanukovych name because he comes up later as well. Well, way to be like completely replaced by the same person. Like that's not, that's got to not feel great. <laughs> Kuchma's like, it's just easier. When you sign your initials, it's just VK still <laughs> or VY. So yeah. So in response to his removal as prime minister and even his whole cabinet is sacked because like I said oh. earlier, as president and prime minister, you can have totally separate cabinets. Mm-hmm. So his mm-hmm. whole cabinet's sacked because they're pretty pro-democratic as well. Yeah. In response to this, Yashenko forms a very broad-based democratic political coalition, and that's called Our Ukraine. And okay. this is created in 2002. I had mentioned, like, I had talked about what coalitions are in our very, very first episode, like the OG Malay. Mm-hmm. But it's this concept of coalition is not necessarily one political party. It's a bunch of parties that group together under the same ideology or share Mm -hmm. similar ideologies. Yes, this coalition is made up of many groups, including the Liberal Party of Ukraine, like the Youth Party of Ukraine. There's one party that's just called Solidarity. And I'm like, that's beautiful. I don't know what you stand for, but it sounds great. They must stand for Solidarity, I hope. I (laughs) truly hope. Yeah. The question is solidarity and what? I know. Solidarity and, I don't know, murder. Solidarity (laughs) and actual solids. (laughs) No liquids here, buddy. None at all. Move to the Solids only. Solids power. (laughs) Okay, okay. On a different plane of reality. Calm it down. (laughs) So anyway. So yes. So this coalition is very democratic. This coalition ends up running for parliamentary seats that same year, and they end up actually gaining the largest vote for seats. They win a quarter 
of seats in the House. And while that is not the majority, ultimately, they are the largest one coalition fraction to have seats in the House, if that Got makes it. sense. <clears throat> During his prime ministership, Yushchenko's prime ministership, mm-hmm. his deputy prime minister is a woman named Yulia Timoshenko. So yeah, on July 2nd, 2004, our Ukraine and Yulia Timoshenko actually had her own little like party okay. and it was called the Yulia Timoshenko block. So oh, wow. basically Viktor Yushchenko and Yulia Timoshenko yeah. combined oh, forces. Um, <laughs> These names. <laughs> I, I, I told you it's going to be really It's just hard. like basically putting like an extra letter on these people's last names. Sorry, I, I disrupted I mean, your flow. <laughs> no, it's all good. Like, I want to be really respectful. Obviously, there is so much repetition in, like, American names oh, and yeah. probably Hell names yeah. all over the world. But, like, it just so happens in the story, everyone's name is very similar yeah. and it's kind of bizarre. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. So, they join forces. Okay. And they pretty much start a campaign for presidency with Yashenko running for president nice. with the promise with the promise of if he gets elected as president, Yulia will be his prime minister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's their partnership there. Yashenko's campaign is the primary opposition to anything that is related to the previous presidency under Kuchma. Mm-hmm. Now, in 2004, during these elections, Kuchma actually fulfilled all his terms already. So he cannot be reelected. Okay, gotcha. Instead, in his stead, I actually is a better way mm-hmm. to say it, Kuchma's replacement prime minister, Viktor Yanukovych, he's the one to be running as the primary rival in this election okay Viktor Yanukovych he pretty much stands for what Kuchma had been doing Mm -hmm. during his presidency so it still means a lot for Yashenko to like be that opposition and be like the democratic pull and like advocacy there okay okay what each campaign implies is if Yanukovych is re-elected there's obviously a concern from the general population that Ukraine would continue to struggle under a very corrupt government backed by Russia. On the other side, if Yashchenko gets elected, Mm -hmm. the people who are currently in power are concerned that their seats would topple and they wouldn't be able to control what they wanted to control anymore. So keep that in your brain. It's like very plain and simple, right? All the way at the front, (laughs) front of my brain. Okay. What's one interesting thing about the campaign season is that during the season, Yashchenko, he actually had to rely heavily on face-to-face communication with voters since the current government would prevent most major TV channels from providing equal coverage to candidates. Interesting. So Yashchenko had to like do face-to-face, on the road, all that stuff. Whereas Yanukovych was heavily featured in like TV ad campaigns because that's the people mm-hmm. the people who controlled, you know, TV Damn, you that know, is not were right. backing him. <laughs> right. So it's just like and this is something that is still kind of seen today. Mm-hmm. So we're in the midst of campaign season. Elections are supposed to happen in October. All right. Okay. September rolls around and this is where it happens. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, it just happens. It just happens, right? Yushchenko's had this very successful career within the government mm-hmm. as the lead banker, etc. He decides to run for president after recognizing that the government that he used to work for is super corrupt. 
And during his campaign, he falls seriously ill. And this happens on, it's kind of contested, but it happens somewhere between September 5th and September 6th of 2004. Mm -hmm. He falls seriously ill after a dinner he has with leaders of the Ukrainian secret police. And in the back of my head, I'm Hmm. like, why is he meeting with these people in the first place? Because who knows what side they're on. Oh, but. (laughs) And so, yeah, he has a dinner with the Ukrainian secret police. Specifically, this dinner is hosted by the deputy head of Ukrainians intelligence agency. So this individual. Yeah. So this individual's name is Volodymyr Stasuk, (laughs) which I will talk about. (laughs) Are you kidding me? <laughs> He's the agent of evil. Volodymyr. Volodymyr. It's a... Actually, it's a really fun name to like say in my mouth. <laughs> Volodymyr. Anyway. Okay. There's only one thing that goes through my mind. I'm like... Well, two things. First thing is like, okay. why the hell is he having dinner with these folks? Like they... That's what I thought. They cannot be very entertaining. The only other thing yeah. I can think of is maybe he was already friends with them from when he yeah. was prime minister potentially right, right and he just like knew them as old friends but even then i feel like that's not a safe space for him yeah i i don't have an answer to that and i'm also like when i first read that i was like well that was your first mistake I know. <laughs> you know? like you just walked into the lion's den but you could totally be right like maybe he did have a pre-existing relationship and was like totally trusting of these folks could so be. who knows who knows so yeah he's at this Volodymyr Stasik's residence and they're having dinner Uh and then he I think he actually goes home that night and upon getting home and greeting his wife his wife kisses him and goes your lips taste like metal ew now this is this is something that I actually received like I got that as a direct quote from an interview from BBC Uh I will just say my sources at the end because it's too late for that Um, (laughs) yeah our both of our faces just came to that conclusion we're like oh shit (laughs) I know. And so I'm pretty sure that's the stream of events is that he goes home. His wife is like, your lips taste like metal. And then Mm -hmm. he just immediately starts to vomit like violently. Like once it's set in a few hours later, he's vomiting violently. His face feels paralyzed. He can't speak or read. And he's starting to feel like severe stomach pain, back aches and gastrointestinal pain. Very similarly to what happened with Alexei Navalny, Yashenko knows immediately mm. that he's been poisoned. Oh, wow. okay. And he's like, I've been poisoned by government agents. So he's very aware. And <sighs> this is so shit of me, but I'm like, how did he say this if his face is being paralyzed <laughs> oh, at the same time? But let's, I, that's just like a small, like, what if he wrote in, it? In, <laughs> possibly, possibly. He wrote it down. He charaded. Right, right. I think that's just an inconsistency in my storytelling t- Storytelling, and I just don't have the timeline right. But basically, like, <laughs> he does know he's been poisoned and he makes it clear. So mm-hmm, he gets mm-hmm. flown off to the Vienna Rudolf Fiener House Clinic. So he goes to Vienna to be hospitalized. And he is diagnosed with acute pancreatitis, interstitial edematous changes, which means abnormally He's becoming abnormally swollen with fluid. That's what that yeah. means. Edematous. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know these words. No, you're doing fucking great, Megan. I try, no, I just, dude. I, I just am <laughs> laughing at the fact that none of these 
none of these uh, Eastern European people ever go to their own country's hospitals. Dude, they always fly right. the fuck out of there. Right. They're like, we can't uh, trust any hospital in our entire country. We have I to go know. outside. It's so interesting. I did think that too. I was like, why did they go? I mean, what what do the other hospitals have to offer that are better? Is it because of safety? Is it security? Or is it like they just don't have the means? Like, I just think it's safety. Like they don't trust mm. anyone in, in the country. Once your country poisons you, I, I get it. You don't want to yeah. be treated by that same country. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. you got bad blood. It's a, good, it's a good question. So yeah, so he goes to Vienna. He's diagnosed. They see that he's got some sort of like viral infection and there's chemical mm. substance in his body and bloodstream that are not normally found in mm. food products. The most unique physiological symptom that is mentioned without fail in all reports that is starting mm. to happen to him is the disfigurement of his face. And his face is starting to swell. It's showing severe signs of jaundice and he's getting pockmarked, like extreme oh, raised lumps and and pus coming off his face and sorry i know you don't like that word pus i know you don't like the word froth either (laughs) wow way to just add that into the wound (laughs) and this is it's a result of what is called chloracne and chloracne is caused by (laughs) so inappropriate i know it's caused by dioxin poisoning and so we're going to talk about a specific dioxin today called TDCC. That's the poison that ultimately is discovered to have been used in mm. this poisoning. And it is d- a definite assassination attempt on Yashenko's life. Yeah. And actually, dioxin is technically a misnomer. Dioxin is one part of TCDD, mm-hmm. which in itself is a long ass name. But basically, <laughs> yeah, I bet. That's why dioxin is used as kind of like an abbreviation, even though mm. real dioxin is a component, like a it's in within the skeleton of TCDD. It is just mm-hmm. one component. Got it. So I'll get into that a little later. But for now, we can we can go ahead and inappropriately call it dioxin. <laughs> oh, this is so um, interesting. I actually yeah. don't know anything about this, so I'm super excited okay. to learn. All right. Cool, cool, cool. So it's recognized pretty immediately he's been poisoned. It's determined that he's been given a very large dose of TCDD. At the start of his treatment, Yashenko has concentrations of TCDD that's 50,000 times higher than those typically found in people. And yes, you can typically find TCDD in people, but usually it's from like environmental accidents or lasting effects of war Uh and stuff, which I will talk about more later. But I think... I saw somewhere that it's determined that he was given the equivalent of like two milligrams of TCDD, which is just like a lot for what it is in the human body. Yeah, yeah, totally. And in fact, this is such an extreme case of TCDD poisoning that his story is used as a model for a lot of toxicology papers because Mm. how TCDD affects the body is still kind of not fully illuminated it's still there's a lot of questions around it i didn't come across a very set antidote on how they treated it Mm, okay and i think that's still kind of like in the works right but there are some things that i will list later as like how they kind of helped him before we go further into the the toxicology of tcdd Mm -hmm. i just want to finish up the political story (laughs) okay Okay, so he's poisoned he goes to the hospital 
he lives like I think you've probably picked up at this point that like I like I was talking about him in like the future tense too Mm -hmm, he mm -hmm. survives the incident pretty amazingly he even gets discharged from the hospital and still like goes out to the public to like speak to them during his campaign as it gets really close yeah as it gets really close to the first initial election which is supposed to happen in October okay so on October 31 that's the first election I'm saying first because what happens after this is there's an unprecedented two follow-up runoff elections because all the elections are just like fraught with problems so October 31st of 2004, neither Yashenko nor his opponent, Yanukovych, win the absolute majority of votes. And this means that no candidate received Hmm. more than 50% of votes. This leads to a second round of runoff voting that happens on November 21st in 2004. So it's just a month later. Yeah. During this second round of runoff voting, exit polls actually showed that Yashenko had an 11% lead over Yanukovych. Okay? Okay. But when the official results are given, the election is in favor of Yanukovych by a mere 3%. Hmm. However, official votes were counted by officials under the authority of Yanukovych. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. It just quickly becomes apparent that there's been electoral fraud mm-hmm, since there's mm-hmm. obviously a discrepancy between the exit polls and the final tally. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yashenko holds his ground and is like, I refuse to recognize the results. Like, I'm not going mm-hmm. to concede. Simultaneously, as a result of this electoral fraud fiasco, massive protests start to break out in the form of civil disobedience, sit-ins, and general strikes against mm-hmm. against this Yanukovych slash Kuchma government. And most of these protests do happen in Kiev, the capital. And this movement of protests is called the Orange Revolution, which Yashenko mm. and his prime minister nominee, Yulia Tymoshenko, were the lead figures of this movement. Mm. Mm-hmm. After 13 days of the Orange Revolution protests, Ukrainian Supreme Court rules to overturn the result from the November runoff elections and orders a revote on December 26th. So it's like, okay, things are working. Like, you know, in a way, like, okay, protest did something. Right, right. So finally, December 26th rolls around. Yashchenko claims victory on this final revote. Weirdly, I mean, is it weird? I don't know. I'm thinking it's weird. He had, like, projected that he would win, you know, like, it'd be, like, 60% to whatever. Mm -hmm. But he only wins by, like, 52% sort of thing. So it's still very split, but Mm -hmm. he claims victory. Okay. And that is how that ends. And, like, just a reminder, at the same time of him going through these runoff elections, he's still getting treatment. Like, he he might be out publicly, but his face is still scarred. And to this Mm -hmm. day, you can still see the remnants of scarring. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. he was still getting, like active treatment to watch the TCDD exit his body. Wow. That's the story of his political career. That's so interesting. I'm going back on my word. I'm going to speak a little bit about like (laughs) later on. You're not allowed to, Megan. Too bad. Just it's just real quick because it is kind of like (laughs) I think it's an interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting tidbit in my opinion. So he only is president for one term. It's Mm -hmm. 2005 to 2010. During his term, Yashchenko's popularity actually devolves because remember how I talked about the reporter Gungadze? Mm -hmm. So during his presidency, Yashchenko promised like, hey, there's going to be a trial, you know, for Gungadze and people are going to be held accountable. Right. And it's going to be done by like this date. It's going to be done by May 2005. Mm -hmm. But that never happens. And the public was really upset about Mm -hmm. it. 
And they basically were holding Yashenko accountable for the lack of progress and justice in the Gudgadzi murder and failure to close the case. Mm -hmm. And so, like, because he failed to close the case, that was pretty damaging to his presidency. Got it. And along with that, he was ultimately accused of benefiting from foreign interests. Foreign interests were said to have paid for his campaign, which is illegal in Ukraine. Mm. It's also illegal here. <laughs> <laughs> I think most, potentially most countries. Yeah. And also people were like, your your family's living pretty lavishly, but like our country's still struggling. Yeah. So like those things kind of followed him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's kind of sad because, you know, when I first started reading the story, I'm like, this guy's like a baller. Like yeah, he's totally. fighting for whatever. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, he's still kind of not not the hero that you yeah he's just a, yeah he's just a know. regular fucking guy <laughs> just a yeah just a regular politician yeah. and it is what it is and so that's the story so that's that okay 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 gotcha so let's go to tcdd all right i'm ready i do have a question before we get into it do we know how he was poisoned like how did they do it or is yes. that something you're gonna talk about no no, no uh no, that's a great question to start talking about T- TCDD. So okay. I'll, let me answer that. So in a there's an interview f- uh, with the BBC mm-hmm. in 2018, mm-hmm. um, and it's an interview with Yashenko at the time. And so, mind you, in 2018, he's you know it's been a long time yeah, since yeah. he's been president. Yeah. True. So, but he's doing an interview, and he does say that the poisoning, according to the ongoing investigation, because I don't think anything's actually been confirmed. Like no one's actually been charged with his poisoning. Mm. which seems to be the case with all poisonings right. that occur at the hands of <laughs> Russians. <laughs> it was by divine intervention yeah. that they were all poisoned. Right. Yes. Right. So according to the investigation, the poison was added to the rice that was served at the table uh, that night. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Damn. And he didn't taste that shit? Unless it's taste- Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Here yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what, what? I was just asking you, Haridi, what do we think? Do we think that this poison has an odor or a flavor at all? I, okay, the only reason why I feel like it does have a taste is because of what Mm. the wife said. It's like, oh, your lips taste like metal. Mm. Like, dioxin Mm. does sound very chemically, like very, something that's going to have like a powdery or like a distinct taste to it is all I can Mm. think of. That's actually a really good answer. And that makes sense why you would think that. Mm-hmm. But the answer is actually no. TCDD is odorless, flavorless, invisible. You know, like you can, you wouldn't be able to tell if it was on rice. It's imaginary. They, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um. So, so why the wife said your lips taste like metal? Part of me thinks it was technically a few hours mm-hmm. after he ingested mm-hmm. it and when the True. onset started happening. So I'm thinking maybe it has to do with the fact that he's starting to become the liquid in his body is starting to like inflame his face and stuff like that. Like maybe there's, yeah, it's like kind of coming out of his pores almost. Exactly. So, so I think that might be why she mentioned it tastes like metal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is total Cusco move where they try to poison his heart, (laughs) where they try to poison him (laughs) and then he has to keep track of which drink has the actual poison in it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cronk. Oh, cronk. And, since we're talking about the dinner, I do want to put in this little information on that deputy head of the intel- intelligence agency, Volodymyr. <laughs> Volodymyr. Mm-hmm. He's actually currently still hiding in Moscow, Russia, where the government has given him Russian citizenship, which means he cannot be extradited for trial Stop. to another country. Mm-hmm. That is suspect. It is suspect. 
because I definitely think he was part of the plan. So, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. Or not, not yeah. even that. I'm thinking like, <laughs> did Russia also have a hand in this? And we're like ah, collaborating okay. together with Ukraine. I don't know. That it's, is, I'm going full conspiracy theory now. That's fine. That is the implication here. Okay. In that same BBC interview, the interviewer asked, the interviewer asked, do you think Vladimir Putin gave the order for you to be poisoned? And Yashenko replies. And actually, weirdly, I got kind of emotional watching him because the mm-hmm. way his face just seems so tired and sad saying this, I was like, oh my God. But Yashenko replies to the question. He goes, I have an answer, but I cannot voice it. And I'm like, really? That I don't know why that like struck me like so emotionally. Like I was just felt like it's such a simple answer, but I'm like, man, that's one. It's a little bizarre. Yeah, because it makes me think. It, I did think like, okay, what has he got going on? It, like potentially he can't say anything because he might have ties to Russia. Now that we know that, yeah. you know, after his poisoning, he wasn't like the most favored person. Mm-hmm. But also. Mm-hmm. He does go on to say, and this is an interview in 2018, so it is much later. So mm-hmm. he goes on to say, I feel pain for Europe being so blind that European countries are so unfriendly to each other and have so little solidarity and respect to Russia's policies. Uh, meaning when he says and have so little solidarity and respect to Russia's policies, he means like Europe is not standing in solidarity to fight against Russia. That's what that means. Not like, okay, I there's see, no I solidarity see. and backing. No, it means like to, to call out Russia. There's just too Got much it. fractions going on. Mm-hmm. So, and then he was like, I would like to what we call United Europe to finally realize that the biggest challenge for its citizens is the medieval policy that Russia pursues in the 21st century. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Snaps. So that was his answer to the question. If Vladimir, if, you know, the question of did Vladimir Putin give this order? I think what I read between the lines there are that he believes that, yes, he believes that there was some influence from the Russian government, from the Kremlin for his for this assassination attempt to happen. Now we will go into toxicity of TCDD. Yeah. What makes that shit poison? Tell us. Tell us. All right. Because this shit is very fascinating to me. Okay, I will not be able to fully explain it's mechanics, but I will try my best because it is complex. Sure, um, sure. Way beyond my knowledge of biochem mm-hmm. and stuff like that. <laughs> okay. So TCDD, which stands for 2378-tetrachlorodibezodioxin. Okay. That's the actual name of it. Okay. Belongs to the family of PCDDs, which stands for <laughs> polychlorinated dibenzo P dioxins. This is where I go back to the fact that dioxin is technically a misnomer in calling TCDD a dioxin because TCDD is actually a PCDD. That's the actual name of it, that polychlorinated blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. And dioxin is only one small part of the skeletal structure of PCDDs. Okay. okay? So, so TCDD is a PCDD. <laughs> It's a, as I had mentioned, it's a colorless solid with no distinguishable odor at room temperature. It is the most potent compound of PCDDs Mm -hmm. and is best known as the contaminant in Agent Orange. Um, And as we know, Agent Orange was heavily used in the Vietnam War by the U.S. Army. Oh, my God. Orange Revolution Mm -hmm. and solidarity Mm -hmm. for solid dioxins. Yeah. (laughs) 
Actually, TCDD can really only be created via two mechanisms of production. One being very intentionally in a lab, like in a controlled atmosphere Mm -hmm. made in a lab. And that is typically Mm -hmm. where using it for someone's poisoning slash assassination attempt, that's where you're going to get TCDD like that. The other scenario where TCDD can exist and be produced is in any instances where there is like the burning of hydrocarbons where chlorine is present, meaning things like industrial accidents. So one of the largest recorded exposures of TCD TCDD ever was during the Seveso disaster. Seveso is a town in Italy that's a little bit close to Milan, but this happened Mm -hmm. in like the 70s and it was an industrial accident where TCDD was emitted into the environment in the town of Seveso. And mm-hmm. that was a result of there was burning of hydrocarbons during that accident. And that's mm-hmm. why okay. people were exposed yeah. to TCDD. It is considered a persistent organic pollutant, which means that once it's in the environment, it's extremely resistant to environmental degradation. Interesting. Your body will hold it until it's fully excreted naturally by your body. But like, even mm-hmm. if it doesn't come in contact with you, it's just going to like chill in that environment in the atmosphere yeah yep. interesting let's okay. talk about its mechanics so what happens when tcdd actually like enters your system what yeah. is so fascinating about tcdd and i mean technically other drugs are like this but it is a toxin that acts on one very specific receptor that's found in all mm-hmm. cells and that receptor is called the aural hydrocarbon receptor abbreviated mm-hmm. to ah so we're just going to call it ah okay. This receptor, AH, plays a role in transcription, oh, Lord. which is involved in the expression of your genes. Oh, so that's why I'm like, this shit is fucking crazy and toxic because it's literally impacting how your genes are going to be expressed. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> All right. That's the worst it's, kind. It is insane to me. <laughs> it's insane to me. Yeah. When impacted by TCDD, AH, the AH receptor, can influence the genes of enzymes responsible for the breakdown of foreign and often toxic compounds. So this is where it gets even Mm. more interesting to me. So we know that it affects AH, which is a transcriptor that can impact genes. Mm -hmm. What has been studied of TCDD is that even though, based on studies of the Vietnam War and even the Seveso disaster, suggests that there is a correlation between development slash birth defects, Mm It's actually largely agreed that TCDD is not mutagenic or genotoxic. Hmm. What does mutagenic mean? Let me let me just make sure I make sure I know what mutagenic means before. I. From what I understand, it means like causing mutations of your genes, promoting gene mutation. If it does that, then one of the side effects would be cancer. Yeah. Its main action is cancer promotion. Mm -hmm. And this is what I felt was just so unique about TCDD is, okay, we're going to bring it back to, remember, Yashenko, the biggest symptomatic thing that happened to him was his face, you know, getting this chloracne. So we're going to bring it back to his Mm -hmm, face mm -hmm. from an article in New Scientist, um, published in 2009. (laughs) (laughs) Published in 2009, the article is actually titled... Skin Growths Saved Poisoned Ukrainian President. And this is why, to me, TCDD is like such a mindfuck, is Mm -hmm. that while it is so toxic, 
it works in a way that it makes you kind of develop this cancer, essentially. Like it makes you hyper develop cancer, which simultaneously is your body's way of fighting that toxin at the same time. How so? Well, like, so in Yashenko's case, all these skin growths Mm -hmm. was a way for his body to kind of put the toxin in a different organ, like an organ that was actually totally foreign to Yashenko. Because that extra skin growth, that's not his original anatomy, right? Mm -hmm. This is the toxin, TCDD, actively working on that AH receptor to literally build a new organ and skin formations on his body Mm -hmm. so that the toxin can be channeled away from like... Yeah, like sequestered. His natural form. A clarifying question. So the Mm. dioxin is yes. causing the skin growth or is that the body's mechanism of defense or a little bit of both? My understanding is that it is both. So let me read this directly from the article. Sure. The article quotes a dermatologist named John Surratt who headed the team which treated Yashenko. Oh, wow. uh-huh. So we knew he went to Vienna, but he was actually moved to the Swiss Center for Human Applied Toxicology in Geneva. Mm-hmm. So that they could study him as like a model for TCDD poisoning. But this dermatologist says in this article, a new organ was created out of normal structures of the skin and the tissue expressed very high levels of dioxin metabolizing enzymes. And he goes, they were made to detoxify the dioxin. Shut the fuck up. A hamartoma is a new organization of normal cells that simply organize themselves differently, says Surratt. So skin can be regarded as a detoxifying organ. Mm. But I think that didn't kind of answer the question, (laughs) but I do think like (laughs) I think that it's a simultaneous action. It's like his body is reacting to the TCDD, Mm -hmm. but that activation of those AH receptors by the TCDD is also causing him to form this new skin, this like fat production. Mm -hmm, Mm hmm. That's what I am understanding of this article. I think the reason why like I'm kind of stuck on this idea of simultaneous action is because because we know that TCDD is essentially a cancer promoter. Mm-hmm. I actually define that that growth of this extra skin as a cancer. Yeah, I do too. You know? I do too. Yeah. But my question is now and I don't know if you have this answer in front of you, but mm. is this a common side effect? Like does this do these skin formations, these growths happen with all people that get this? Yes. So oh, okay. chloracne, which is like the official term for like the skin growth and swelling and sores and stuff, that is a common effect that happens with TCDD poisoning. Because we know that TCDD can be produced from like the burning of hydrocarbons when chlorine is present. So mm-hmm. there's some element there that involves chlorine. I don't know the chemistry there, so I don't want to like... Yeah, yeah say something wrong but yes it is a direct effect of okay tcdd got it yeah this is some wild wild shit yeah this is kind of jumping out of order but i just thought it was like a fun read yeah this is from the washington post published in 2014 titled remember when a ukrainian presidential candidate fell mysteriously ill mm-hmm. arnold Schechter, a dioxin expert at the university of texas school of public health at Southwestern Medical Center in Dallas, said dioxins can be highly effective poison in people who are sensitive to their effects. If Yashenko was deliberately given dioxin, it was done by someone who was very clear and very knowledgeable, Schechter Mm. said. 
If someone put a drop of pure dioxin in his food, he wouldn't taste it, he wouldn't see it, and a few days later, he'd start to get sick, Schechter said. If you are trying to kill someone quickly, it's not the way to go. So dioxin is not the way to go if you're trying to kill someone quickly. But if you want to disable someone and want to do it subtly and have it happen days or weeks or months after you have contact with someone, this can do it. Plus, there are very few labs in the world that can accurately detect dioxin in the blood. And so, like, I just thought that was interesting because I think that is very resemblant of how his poisoning went down. The fact that, like, it happened many, many hours later. And he ultimately, like, he didn't die, but he suffered for a very, very long time during his candidacy, um, you know, presidential run, his campaign. It is intentional, you know, like like what the intentions that go behind. And I know that sounds so redundant and like obvious, but I always am so fascinated by the thought chosen into the thought that goes into choosing a certain poison. Right. That is super interesting. And now clearly. Yeah. Now my question is, obviously, the objective was to kill him and they failed their objective. But yeah. How does one die from this and how long does it take without Mm. medical attention do we know you know i don't know and i am sure the answer is there and i just didn't do my due diligence so i don't i don't have that Mm. answer and i will have to look that up later when i read that in my head i almost was like i questioned i was like maybe the intention wasn't to murder but maybe it really was just to destabilize him or you know impact his health so poorly that he wouldn't bother running for president sort of thing you know yeah but who knows? And then there's a, there's like another theory of, well, maybe they did want to murder him, but they just didn't bet on the fact that his body would fight it so well, yeah. you know, with the excess mm-hmm. skin and stuff like that. Like, I really compared this story to Navalny's story because I'm like, both these men were given like an insane type of poison <laughs> that like yeah. really harmed their bodies. But it just wasn't meant to be, I guess. Yeah, it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, their death was not meant to be. They were meant to survive for some reason. And I just find that like so interesting. Well, I just did a quick Google search on can you die from dioxin poisoning? And the answer is, it's not that it's no, but it's Mm. there are no reported deaths to date. Mm. And I think essentially, like if you did get dioxin exposure, kind of similar to like radiation exposure, Mm -hmm. you're not going to die instantly from the radiation or in this case, the dioxin. It would be Mm -hmm. an accumulation of the effects from that exposure. So the cancer. Right. Yeah. So what I want to conclude with, because with the toxicology aspect Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. uh, real quick, the antidote Mm. or antidote that is being worked towards uh, for TCDD exposure. It's again from this New Scientist article and I'm just going to read it. Sarit, apologize if I'm pronouncing this person's name wrong, but Sarit declined to specify details of how his team treated Yashenko, saying these will be disclosed in a forthcoming paper. Mm. So that paper exists now because this article was from 2009, but I don't think I successfully found that paper. (laughs) So, (laughs) however, the study released this week reveals that the treatment for Yashenko involved the anti-obesity drug Orlistat. What? (laughs) And Olestra, a zero-calorie indigestible fat product, developed but rejected for use in food because it absorbed vitamins on its way through the gut Mm -hmm. and caused, quote, anal leakage in some consumers. (laughs) Yes. 
dioxin is known to be stored in fat. Mm-hmm. Soritz said Alestra was used early on, but was not the main component of the treatment. By monitoring concentrations of dioxin in blood, fatty tissue, feces, skin, urine, and sweat, mm-hmm. Sorit established that about 60% of the dioxin was excreted unchanged, mainly in the feces. Wow. So that's probably why they gave him that, because it gave you anal leakage. <laughs> Damn, dude, that is so fucking cool. Wow, yeah. wow, 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 wow. Because I'm just thinking from a pharmacy perspective, not that those drugs are so useless, but obesity drugs, like drugs that help yeah. you lose weight are kind of, I don't know, how they're not looked upon favorably i guess like they're kind mm-hmm. of i don't know it's like one of, it's like those get rich quick s- schemes almost like they don't work super super well like there's not going to be a drug out there that like magically sheds the pounds for you you know like that's just not going to happen mm. you have to always do mm-hmm. things in conjunction with like a diet and exercise of course but it's so yeah. interesting because when you go through pharmacy school these mm-hmm. obesity drugs are honestly maybe two weeks out of your whole four years so it's really really interesting Mm. to hear that this has such a big impact or that is it's a possible antidote for this really crazy poison (laughs) that's pretty fucking badass i know isn't that crazy so to to conclude it took about 15 months half of the contaminant to be excreted from his body yeah if you google search victor yashenko and look at the timeline of when he's poisoned to today it like i said he still has facial scarring he looks really good today he doesn't look inflamed i think he looks fine but yeah like for years he just has this severe pock marking that goodness just wasn't there before so yeah that's my story I was excited to learn about this mostly because yeah. I was excited about the TCDD. I was really, yeah. I was tired of nerve agents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it's time for something new. So yes, I love it. I love it. You know what? I think this story part was obviously good, mm. but I feel like the toxicology part was just on another level. Agreed. It was super interesting because I didn't know about this toxin or poison at all mm-hmm. in question. And it's such a cool, I mean, you guys know what I mean by when I say cool, but it's such a cool mechanism and the way that it works. It's just, wow, that's, that's really fucking dope. I'm I'm glad I learned something new today. So thank you. Yeah. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Like all that politics stuff (laughs) is super dry to me. Um, so I'm glad that the, the toxicology aspect was like (laughs) nice and moist. (laughs) God, another word, (laughs) another one added to the do not say list. (laughs) No, but I mean. You did a really good job of building it up because you're right. It was completely necessary to provide that political Mm. foundation to understand the rest of it for sure. All right. Well, that was another episode in the books. Thanks, Megan. So let's get on to our antidotes. Here's my antidote, antidote of the week. And the reason why I struggle to say that it's the antidote of this week is because it's an an antidote I have every week. So for my friends that know me Mm. well, I love to cook so much and mm-hmm. I, i'll be honest i'm one of those people that don't understand people who don't like to cook because i just love it that much and i just find it so relaxing like that is my thing to do i feel like you're in either two boats mm-hmm. like you either find it super freaking stressful or it's like your therapy so i'm in the other boat ladder anyways mm-hmm. so yeah. my answer of the week is when i'm working 
all day. I sit down at lunch and I think about, I plot and plan what I'm going to be making myself for dinner that night. And that's my little happy space. And so Mm -hmm. that is my antidote that I've been able to, I'm lucky enough that I'm able to get ingredients that are like fresh and good that I can cook at home Mm -hmm. for myself. And it's just been, it's just really nice. Like that's my one little thing that I do for me. That is my self care. I cook myself a very nice fancy meal just Mm -hmm. for myself because that's, it's just me right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) and pour myself a little glass of wine and I just like treat myself with good food every night. And so that's my Mm -hmm. antidote of the week. I love that. And I knew you love to cook. Even when we live together, I know you'd be, you'd be cooking that Trader Joe's sweet potato gnocchi all day oh, every day yeah. mm. oh that's true i didn't i didn't remember that yeah i've not cooked that in a long time actually by the way i, 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 I figured because we are on to bigger and better we don't buy that pre-made yeah she's she's like from scratch at this point but mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. yeah that's dope i also love cooking a lot and i think you know that megan's a really good cook mm-hmm. yeah harini as well we have very different styles but i also think that has to do with our you know ability to eat meat or not eat meat that like that True. definitely influences True. you know cuisine a little bit mm, mm. so i i totally get it i think it's therapeutic yeah i've met quite a few people in my life who are just like cooking's an inconvenience i'm not gonna linger <laughs> around in the kitchen and i'm just like all right that's fine that's you but then you can get out of my kitchen <laughs> uh, crossing you off kidding. my friends list <laughs> no 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 i have so many friends uh, no. that don't like, like i get it i know i know same i will leave my antidote with one question for you megan and maybe also for our yeah. poison pals this was something i asked uh, my friends recently mm-hmm. what is your signature dish Mm. and not necessarily like oh what people know you for that could be it too but like Mm. what is the dish that you know like the back of your hand that you know you Mm. make really well i know i have an answer that came quickly to my mind it's actually out of all the dishes i know how to cook not my favorite but i could i can make this dish in a heartbeat without Mm -hmm. googling any like ingredients or whatever you ready yes tom yum soup so easy i can make it so quick yeah, it's just the easiest thing. I I always have ingredients for it. What? I did not know that. Okay, here's here's a little cheat. This is something I told my girlfriend, Arizona. We, mm-hmm. we didn't make tom yum soup together. That's like the sour kind of more clear broth. Um, oh we made tom so ka good. together, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. features coconut milk, right? But the one trick mm-hmm. that I share with all my <laughs> listeners, when it comes to <laughs> all my listeners... <laughs> When it comes to home cooking, Asian cuisine, and uh, okay, I'm going to generalize. Like, I think this applies to a Mm -hmm. lot of Asian households, but all you need is that one spice pack or paste Mm -hmm. that's already ready made. And that just just makes everything easier. Yes, you can make Mm -hmm. red curry paste from scratch, but that shit takes forever. If it already exists in the store, I guarantee you your Thai, Malay, mm, mm. Mama, whoever, yeah. they're going to buy that paste. They they don't got time to grind the mortar and pestle. They got kids you to know? feed. <laughs> and make that paste. Exactly. So with the Tom Yum soup, I always have, because the base for Tom Yum is like tamarind mm. powder or, mm-hmm. or paste or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's already like pre-made at the Asian market. I, I just grab that powder. I store bags of it in my spices cabinet okay. and that's why it's just so easy to make and then you just throw in your veggies and then like salt and fish sauce to taste and yeah done 
Damn, I didn't know that. And you know what that brings to mind yeah. is one distinct memory I have living with Megan. Mm. For people that don't know, because actually a lot of my own friends didn't realize this, but we already talked extensively that Megan and I were roommates freshman year at college. But what a lot of people yes. don't know is that after freshman year, both of us lived off campus because they paid us $400 to do so. And I took the money thinking <laughs> I was a smart bitch and then my parents got real <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> and so me and Megan lived off campus our second year, mm-hmm. but did not live together. And then Correct. the rest of college, we came back and we lived together off campus. So yeah. anyways, so yeah. we have lived together mm-hmm. for some time. Mm-hmm. While living with Megan, I think my junior or senior year, I remember mm-hmm. in our cabinet, our spice cabinet, that she would have this Penang or red curry mm-hmm. paste. And it was mm. fire, guys. It was yeah. the best thing ever. Like I would, I was curious. So I opened it up one day and I took mm-hmm. a sniff and I was like, damn, mm-hmm. that just transported you to Thailand. Like, damn. Mm-hmm. And I used it and yep. it's the real freaking deal. Yeah, so good. Funny that you bring that up because guess what? I got that same paste still in my cap. Not the same one. <laughs> not, not the same exact one. It is the but same like, one. Don't lie. No. <laughs> I know like what? Eight years old at this point. Oh Jesus Christ. So good. But no, like that same brand. <laughs> yeah. I just bought a new bottle oh. of that. It's the same exact packaging, everything. I love it. It's just so easy. It is yeah. easy. And it's so good. It's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. That love was it. a big tangent, but that's me. That was my a antidote. long antidote. I love it. I could talk about cooking forever. Mm-hmm. Me too. My antidote will be quick. I think I may have mentioned beginning of the pandemic, I decided to get into all the Academy Award nominated films that I've missed out on. Mm -hmm. So I started that at the beginning of the pandemic and I like watched like Mystic River and like The Departed and blah, blah, blah. The Departed Um, is so fucking good. So I was going through like a nice little series of catching up on films Mm -hmm. I missed out on. That stopped for a while. My antidote is that I have started revisiting Mm. these academy award nominated films perfect timing perfect timing i realize now that a lot of winning films are war films and so now i just feel like worn out no pun intended there but like (laughs) um like i watched the pianist which is a war film incredible film yeah so good yeah just tragic yeah Mm -hmm. beautiful film Adrian Hor- Brody's great. Horrible at the same time. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. so I watched that and then I watched 1917 the next day. Oh, and I'm like, no. Wait, I'm did like, you like it? I kind of did, actually. To be honest, I didn't necessarily like it for its storytelling, but I liked mm-hmm. its editing. Like, I liked how it just felt like, you know, you're just on one journey in the span of like two days, right? Like, and th- how the camera follows him was really cool to me. It's just like, the reason why I brought this up is because my brother will not stop talking about this movie since mm. it's come out. Yeah. And the reason why is not so much because of the content, like you mm. said, but because of the way it was filmed. Yes. Because it is the only film to date that is one track shot. Yeah. The whole thing is just one long shot, which is pretty, yeah, pretty incredible. Yeah. And so I'm totally with Sid on that. I'm also realizing Sid and I have like very similar interests. I know you guys do. It's very weird. But yeah. like, <laughs> that's why we're best friends. <laughs> I know. I'm just the the female version. Yeah, the- <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree. Like it's it's that it's the filming because it, it is it is that one track shot and you can and you feel mm-hmm. it. And as a viewer, you feel like you are literally on this physical journey. Like it, you can feel the yeah, yeah, yeah. the toll of just watching him walk and walk and walk and like go through all this crazy shit so i liked it i liked it yeah Yeah. that's my antidote i'm just watching lots of movies yeah i love that 
I was just thinking this week, I was like, I haven't watched a movie in a while. So I think I'm going to do that this weekend. My next Mm -hmm. recommendation for you is to watch Judas and the Black Messiah. All right. It's on my list. Can I make a recommendation for you if you haven't seen this yet? Yeah, please do. I've been like pushing people to watch The Sound of Metal. I don't know if you know anything about that movie. Yes. Have you okay. seen it? Have you seen it? Okay. No? No, but it's on my list because I love Riz Ahmed so much. Yes. Okay. Sound of Metal. I watched, obviously, I watched it during the quarantine because it came out during this time, but mm-hmm. it's the mm-hmm. first movie in a long time that I was like, oh, this is really fucking good. Like, it is okay. really good. But I am someone who just eats up human suffering in films, and I'm not saying I enjoy it. I'm saying that yeah. it's anything that has to do with like human struggle really just connects to me and Mm -hmm. I just get very emotional but I I enjoy storytelling that involves the human struggle and Mm -hmm. so like Mm -hmm. to me Sound of Metal delivered that yeah highly recommend okay and it's cool because it talks about the the deaf community in a way that I feel like is very accurate Uh and transparent and I love a movie that does representation in the way that representation Mm -hmm. should Mm -hmm. be done Love that. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, I didn't know anything about what it was about. I just saw I was Riz Ahmed and I that was enough pull for me to want to watch that. So I'm awesome. excited that you highly recommend that. So that's enough yes. for me. Yay. All right. Good. All right, guys. Thank you so much for another episode for tuning in. If you like this episode, please do leave us a rating and review. It helps us so, so much. And we love hearing from you guys all the time. All right, Megan, want to take us out on us? What the fuck? Want to take us out of this episode? I sure do. Yeah. I want to take you out of this world. (laughs) I'm ready, clearly. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I hyped it up too much. (laughs) I'm going to have some Tom Yum on the way out of this fucking universe. Hell yeah. yeah. Alright, Poison Pals, don't risk it for that Tom Yum Biscuit. (laughs) Alright guys, thank you so much. Goodbye.